if you are struggling with saving money or if you are struggling with budgeting, then break it down to just very, very simple. Are you spending less money than you earn? And if you don't know the answer to that question, that's where we need to start. This is the Learn With Lels podcast. I'm Caitlin Jinko, also known as Lels. I believe that lifelong learning is so important. It allows us to keep improving ourselves and the world around us. And what better way to do that than to hear stories from people of all different walks of life. On the Learn With Lels podcast, I speak with people whom I think the world needs to hear from and with people whom I just think are interesting. We talk about their lives and the lessons they've been learning along the way. I'm very grateful that you've taken the time to listen. I hope you enjoy and that you keep on learning. Hi, everybody, and thank you for listening to episode 34 of the Learn With Lels podcast. On this episode, I spoke with Mark Taylor, an old friend of mine from university. Mark is super into personal finance, and his social media accounts called Money With Mark are all about helping people manage their money. Over the past couple months, I've been thinking and worrying a lot about finances, so I figured this was the perfect time to talk with Mark. In our conversation, we talked about why our money seems to just disappear, why budgets don't work, how it could actually be a good idea for me to spend more on things like surfing and longboarding, and the simple things you can do to get control of your money. I hope you find this conversation helpful. I feel like I don't know anything when it comes to money, so it was nice to have Mark dump things down for me. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoy. And if you need more personal finance help, be sure to follow Money with Mark on social media. Thank you for being on my podcast. Um, For our listeners, do you mind introducing yourself? So maybe like name, what you do, etc. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Mark Taylor. I went to university with... uh, KJ is what was what I call Lels, but um, <laughs> yeah, we went to University of McMaster together, and then uh, I'm from Ontario originally. Uh, we went to McMaster, and then I went off to Calgary, and I worked in Calgary for a little bit, uh, and then now I am living in Halifax, and so on the East Coast there, I run my own company uh, called Make Your Mark Today. Um, and that's a company that uh, focuses all on SEO for local businesses. And then on the side of that, I have like my passion project, which is my personal finance information, which I put out on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. And that's all money with Mark. So that is a little short introduction for me. Yes, thank you. And yeah, that's why I wanted to have you on here because Bish has been thinking about money a lot lately. And getting stressed out so I need some help (laughs) but yeah we met like 11 years ago now which is crazy that it's been that long (laughs) yeah Yeah, 2010 oh yeah yeah, that's right yeah we've known each other for over a decade yeah wild I remember the first time I met you (laughs) um on so in Les Prince like our, our residence I was sitting in like the common area and then all of a sudden I just felt like on my head like um, one of those like claw massagers, <laughs> like nobody said anything. I just felt it on my head. And then I turned around and you're like standing there with your little claw <laughs> massager. And I was like, what a weird ass guy. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> sounds like, like me. Fun, so 
then we became friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, hey, hey, hey. God bless you. Um, yeah, so as I was saying, I wanted to have you on my podcast because I've been thinking slash stressing about money lately. Um, mm-hmm. And I figure, like, if I'm thinking about this, and I'm sure other people are too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I thought you could help a girl out. Yeah, um, absolutely. So can you tell me how you got into this whole world of personal finance? Yeah, I will. Uh, So when I was growing up in Lindsay, Ontario, um, I was like, our family was like pretty good and responsible with money. And I I learned a lot from my dad, um, or at least I felt like I learned a lot. And, you know, just some very basic things like put away 10% of your income and like save it up. Uh, and just don't touch that money. That's kind of like kind of the basic steps that I learned. Uh, and then I went into university and I was really lucky through university where all of my money that I had saved through working in high school and then the work, the work that I did over the summertime. And then with the, some help from my family as well, uh, using the RESP, uh, student savings that parents can do for their kids. And so my parents did that. Uh, so together, all that money ended up paying for my university. So I was very lucky where I came out of university with uh, zero debt. Um, so one of the lucky few that kind of came out that way. But it was interesting because I, I got to start my working career with when I got my first official paycheck from my first big boy job, uh, full time nine to five out in Calgary. And I got to start by um, essentially being at zero, which is uh, a great place to start from, especially with so many people coming to university with a ton of debt. Um, and so it was interesting for me having to start with like uh, no money. And it, it did kind of suck because, you know, I made a decent amount of money throughout high school and university, but like, obviously it all just went to pay for the insanely expensive education that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I started in my first big boy job, um, I was kind of drawing on a lot of the lessons that my, my dad taught me. Uh, he forced me to read a couple personal finance books when I was growing up and then also throughout university Uh, Some of those books were Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and The Wealthy Barber, which are some very popular personal finance books that our uh, Canadians know about and read about. Um, So I read those books and together with that knowledge and like my dad's knowledge, I felt like I had a decent grasp on money. And then even in my university at McMaster, I took some personal finance courses. I took uh, actually the only, only two personal finance courses that were available um, but I w- enrolled in them both and uh, they, they were quite good too. Um, so I came out of university with zero debt, uh, a full-time job. And so an income coming out and some with what I thought was a decent knowledge on how to manage my money properly. Um, and I think that's kind of a trap that we ended up falling into or, or some people fall into, which I definitely fell into uh, because I remember when I got my first official paycheck and I think it was for after all the, the deductions, it was like maybe around like 1500 bucks for like two weeks. And I remember looking at it, I was like, holy shit, like this is a, this is a fuck ton of money. Like <laughs> this is paying for like my rent and my food and like probably like a new pair of a uh, new pair of pants for me. And I was like, and then I'm going to get another check at the end of the month. Like what am I going to do with all this money? And so it was a really, really interesting feeling to like have that and be like, oh my God, like I'm freaking rich here living off of I forgot what my salary was, but like maybe around like 50 K or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe like 45 K, something like that. Like standard and so, level. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so that feeling lasted for like pretty much one month. 
And then, (laughs) (laughs) and it's funny because I was like living quite a frugal lifestyle too. When I first moved to Calgary, I was sleeping uh, in a room with uh, three other roommates and I had, oh, sorry, I wasn't with three other roommates in one room. It was like, (laughs) (laughs) one beds. yeah, it was my own room within a house. I had two other roommates in it Mm -hmm. um, or three other roommates. And all, all I had was a mattress on the floor. I didn't like even pay for a bed frame or anything. And I'm just sleeping with a mattress on a floor. Um, and yeah, after the first month of working, uh, all of a sudden that like money that seemed like a ton of money was all of a sudden like disappearing Mm -hmm. and like throughout my first like four to four to eight months of working, um, all of a sudden that feeling completely changed into, oh my God, like, how am I going to be able to afford my next like car payment? Or how am I going to be able to afford like moving to a better place? Cause like, I want to eventually move out of, of this place. And, um, so all of a sudden, like I was living paycheck to paycheck in a, a blink of an eye really. Mm-hmm. And not just that, but they ended up accumulating credit card debt too. And in my first year of working. And so I, it was it was crazy too because I remember it was um, probably almost a year into my first full time job and I was looking at my my bank account which I ended up becoming terrified to look at my bank account and just like open it up because it just gave me so much stress and so much anxiety that I just wouldn't open it up mm-hmm. and I opened it up and I think it was like in the springtime of like twenty I don't know when that was twenty fourteen twenty fifteen and uh, and I opened up my account I'm like. I'm like, something's not right here. Like, what am I doing wrong? Like, clearly whatever I thought I had as far as the knowledge go is not working for me Uh, Mm -hmm. because I opened up my account. I had like almost $8,000 of credit card debt and pretty much $0 in my bank account and like no savings to account for. I had signed up for my company pension plan. So I had like, you know, a few thousand dollars uh, that was actually saved away, but it was in my RSP and I couldn't really touch that Mm -hmm. at that point. Um, and so I was just kind of looking at my bank account and I'm like, I'm like, what's, what's happening here? I've, I thought I had a pretty good uh, education, like being raised by, by my dad. Like he controlled his money. Well, I read the wealthy barber. And so I cracked that book open again. I went and read uh, rich dad, poor dad again. And I, I started really just trying to take my personal finances seriously. Cause I'm like, okay, clearly like even this stuff I learned in university courses, like it's not helping me in the real life. So like, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that kind of really is what kind of kicked my, my butt in gear for not just like learning about personal finances, but like taking action on yeah. getting back control of your money. Yeah. And so I started reading book after book after book, and I've probably read over 200 personal finance books by now. Oh my God. And wow. I know it's, ton a little bit OCD on it but uh, <laughs> I'm like definitely way da- too deep down into it but um, ultimately though like it the change took time it took me a while to pay off that credit card debt it took me a while to realize that I was living above my means and I was spending more than I was earning which is like really one to grasping your money management is making sure you're spending less than you're earning yeah. Um, so after that, it took me uh, probably another almost year to pay off that debt and then also uh, start to save money too. Um, but it was nice because I had developed these habits uh, and that's essentially what it broke down into is just habits that I do with my money 
um, to put it in the right places, to make sure I was spending less than I earned and to really start saving money a lot. Uh, and so that's kind of my history as it comes to learning about personal finances and getting into it. Mm-hmm. So where was your money going? Like when you realize, <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And that's like what so many people will say too. I remember I was talking to my cousin um, a couple years ago at Christmas time. And I was asking him like, like what he's looking forward to in the new year. And he was like, he's like, I just want to like know where my money is going, you know? And he, he was like, I, he's like, I make like, he's like, he's like, I make like almost six figures a year. And like, I, I end up coming over to Christmas time and I'm like, how am I even going to get gifts? Like how, how do I have like a six figure salary, but yet somehow can't even scrape up 30 bucks for a, for a, a white elephant gift, gift exchange. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's the thing, right? Is like, if you don't know where your money's going, then like, that's also a problem too. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally, I've kind of came to the point where I actually don't care where my money is going. And that was a big thing that changed in my life was I tried to budget. And even when I was talking to my dad about my money problems I was having, and he was like, he's like well, you know, you got to make a budget, you got to make a budget. And that advice was just drilled in, in so many different media forms. And quite frankly, like I fucking hate budgeting and I don't do it anymore. <laughs> yeah. And what like KJ, what do you think of when you like hear the word budget or budgeting? Does it make you like warm and fuzzy inside? No, hell no. It feels like <laughs> restrictions and like, uh-huh. I don't know, so much to think about. Like, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> I know. Exactly. I relate to how you felt before about like not even wanting to look at my bank account. Yeah. And yeah, also being like, where, where's my money going? I don't yeah. understand. Why is it, why is this such like a common thing? Like, like we get paid, we work, but our money, we like, where does it go? Why is this so common? So it, there's some big things that are at play, which is like physically and physically, mentally, and emotionally separating you and I, the consumers from our money. And there's a few big things that are happening with that. Um, credit cards, the initial adoption of credit cards took a really, really long time. People didn't like it. It was scary. There was a lot of backlash over the use of credit cards. Uh, But it's very profitable for the banks and for governments and for everyone in the financial system to have you like disassociated from your money. And so just by not having that cash in your bank account or however you manage your money, like and the thing is, like, even with the the internet, like, that's another additional layer of, like, separating you from your money. One-click pay now. So, all of a sudden, like, you have the ability to, like, on your phone, press a button and spend money that you don't even see. You don't even see, like, the actual dollar amount. Like, if you want it, you can buy it. You don't even need to look at the price tag. You can just click one shop uh, or one-click pay now or whatever on Amazon, yeah. right? And so, there's been the, this shift over the last, uh, since, like, the 60s, really, into digital banking and through credit cards and through banks and through adding on debt. And so it really disassociates you from your money. If you think about like how much money you have, you don't really look at it as if you have a bank account or a piggy bank anymore, right? That you Mm -hmm. break open into to take a couple bucks out for food or take a couple bucks out for rent anymore. Now it's just, well, I'll pay what I need to pay and I'm going to live my life. And so there have been some big institutions like that, that have shifted us away from our money because it gets our money out into the system more, which 
makes more money for the bankers, makes more money for companies. It's better for you know the economy overall. Not necessarily better for regular everyday people like us trying to um, you know just like be somewhat financially responsible and have a little bit of savings for the future. Mm-hmm. That's so sneaky and smart. Yeah. So so what they did was like make it so that you never have to look at your money, and then it, mm-hmm. that's how it just disappears. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That makes sense. And huh. when it when it came to budgeting, though, I want to get a little bit back into into my story too. Sure. So I I was like trying to pay off this this debt of my credit card debt, and I was um, looking for my dad for a little bit of advice, and everyone was telling me to budget and budget and budget. And so I was like, all right, like I'll budget, like I'll suck it up, I'll try to make this budget. And this is like an insane thing that I probably one of the most insane things I find about the financial system is that everyone's just like, Oh yeah, just make a budget. Like that's your fucking problem. It's like, you're not budgeting. Like that's why you're not saving money. That's why you don't have enough money for a, a house. That's why you can't afford to live in the GTA. And so, and that's not really the case. So I tried budgeting and I tried it multiple times and I did everything from writing it on in books and saying, Hey, I'm going to spend a thousand bucks a month on rent 500 bucks on food, like 300 on clothing, like 200 on entertainment, you know, tried to do the classic budgeting. I wrote out in books. I made spreadsheets out of it. I even used things like Mint, like this app that you can connect to your bank account, um, all these different like budgeting tools to try to make a budget. And in theory, yeah, it sounds great where, yeah, okay, I'm going to make this budget. I'm only going to spend 800 bucks a month on my rent and utilities. And then look, look at this. Like after I achieve all these goals, then I have like 500 bucks a month left over for savings and I'm going to put it away and I'm going to be all of a sudden 500 bucks month uh, per month richer. But like, that's not what happens in reality. Like, and everyone who's tried a budget knows this too. You're going to go over your budget and you're going to go over your budget in many categories and it's demoralizing. It's hard to find the time and like actually stop procrastinating to like go and make the budget to begin with. Yeah. And so by the time you get over that big hurdle of like actually going to make your budget, well, now you got to update it and like, you don't want to update it either. And then when you do update it, you find that you, you know, you might have a couple wins here and there where you underspent in a couple categories and you might feel good about yourself, but then you're going to find that you overspent on your food because you went out and ordered pizza twice this month. And so you went way over budget on, on your food. And so it ends up all kind of either either balancing out or just not working at all. And so it just makes you so demoralized and to actually like give up on your budget. And it, it's funny too, because um, I've been, I've been doing some research into the success rate of budgeting, which is very, very not talked about in the mainstream media. There's one mm-hmm. academic paper that was looking at personal finances And they were trying to get people to budget because as it was like a regular part of like what they thought was good money management. And this study actually had 86% of the participants quit because they couldn't like, like quit on their budget because they couldn't like do like what they thought was like the basics of like money management. They're like, everyone has the budget. So like our first step is like, we're just going to ask everyone to budget. And then like, they couldn't even get people to budget. Yeah. And so that in my mind is, an insane signal that like, okay, clearly there's a study of a couple thousand people. And if 85% of them can't even stick to like making a budget, they quit on their budget. Then like, why are we throwing this out as a solution for like everyone's money problems when it's clearly not working? Mm -hmm. But it's funny because if you go to research on like, why isn't a budget working or why are budgets failing? 
then you'll find tons of things where it's like, well, you're not sticking to it. Like, oh, maybe you need a financial advisor to like help kick you in the butt to stick to your budget. And like, well, some of those work and obviously budgeting works for some people. Um, it just doesn't work for a lot of people. And so what I ended up doing was I, I kind of said, I said, all right, like budgeting isn't working for me and it clearly doesn't work for a lot of other people. So like, what can I do? And I really broke down the problem. And well, as you know, I, I used to be in engineering until I dropped out of that and took an easier program. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I do have that like reverse engineering kind of mindset. And mm -hmm. so I was like, all right, what's the problem here? Like, what am I trying to achieve by doing this budget? And the answer is, well, I want to save money. And what does that mean? That means I want to spend less money than I earn. And so I was like, okay, that's all the information that I need then to like go with a budget. And so what I did is I found some software. It's called Tiller Money. Uh, the website, I believe, is tillerhq.com. And it is some software that hooks up to your bank account. And you can add it into a spreadsheet and do whatever you want in the spreadsheet. They have a few templates in there. Um, but I made a very, very simple spreadsheet for myself. And all that it tells me is how much money I earned and how much money I spent. And it tells me that every month. And that's all that I care about. Because all that I care about is saving money every single month. And if I'm doing that, I'm on the right path. And so I started doing that. And it has been probably one of the best decisions I've made when it comes to my money that I've ever made. Uh, because it really got me on track. Because I could look at my money and to be honest, I didn't give a shit if I was spending 1000 bucks a month on pizza takeout as long as I was saving money. And so it didn't really matter where my money was going. And then eventually, after a few years of doing that, I got a really good handle on my money and actually saving lots of money, which was great. Uh, and then so I also set up the automatic savings. And a lot of people will talk about automatic savings as like the way to force yourself to save money. And what that means is you set up an automatic transfer from your checking account, usually on payday, and you transfer 100 bucks, maybe even 40 bucks, maybe even 500 bucks into a tax advantage account, usually like your TFSA or RSP, which are the 401k and uh, Roth IRAs in the US. Mm -hmm. um, but usually just automatic transfer on payday. And that's like you sit forcing your savings. Mm -hmm. And yes, that does work. But the problem is if you're still spending more than you're earning, it doesn't matter if you're saving, if you're going deeper in a debt, because you're just offsetting it, right? It's not really doing much for you. So I ended up getting control of my money by just tracking it and just tracking my money in, my money out. And that was all I cared about. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I did add in some categories into it. So I could add in some categories so I could see where I was spending. And after many years of like having the categories tracking, what I've realized is that I've kind of realized like why budgeting the traditional budget doesn't really work for people mm -hmm. because I would look at my spending in like food, for example, and it would fluctuate so dramatically. Some months it would be like 300, 400 bucks a month. And then other months it could go up to like over a thousand bucks a month. And so I realized that there's just such a, there's such great um, variance in how much we spend in like each category that it's so hard to like set a target budget for like your entertainment or whatever. Yeah. Because if you go and take a trip to Lollapalooza, like that's going to be a big month of entertainment that you're spending. Mm -hmm. So 
I think that's maybe a big reason why budgeting doesn't work. And like, obviously, you know, you ask anyone, everyone that I've asked, I say, how do you feel when you hear, hear the word budgeting? People don't like that word. <laughs> and because, it, and rightfully so too, I don't like that word either. So um, that was the first thing I did was I started tracking my money. Uh, and that was really uh, the first action that I took uh, from all the attempted learnings that I did that really, you know, started to pay off because as much as like, I love learning and like learning is like pretty much my lifelong uh, goal is just to constantly be learning and think that, you know, nothing. Cause then you're always going to be improving. Mm-hmm. Um, but really when it comes to that, like action is important too, right? Like you could mm-hmm. be learning KJ how to surf and you, I know you learned how to surf. You spent a lot of time online <laughs> looking up how to surf, but mm-hmm. I, I bet like, I'll, I'll ask you this then how different was it when you actually went out and surfed for the first time than what you Extremely. were learning beforehand? Yeah. Extremely different. Yeah. Pretty much have to throw everything out, start yeah, over again. True. Like, all right. Let me actually figure out how this works in real life. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think that was a big thing that, that happened. Yeah. yeah. So one of the key things was throwing out your comprehensive budget and just focusing on those two things, how much you're making and yeah. how much you're spending. Yeah. So is that, that what people it. should be doing? You can try it. If it works for you, that's great. Um, yeah, I set it up. Uh, tiller because it really works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it tracked my money automatically too. And I just have to make sure that, uh, everything is like, I just browse through it briefly. It takes about 10 minutes a month mm-hmm. and I just make sure it's all good. And then like all the, the categories, like by categories, I mean like income or expense. Yeah. And as long as those two are all good, then that's all that I do. It takes me about 10 minutes and, um, I know how much of the money I saved last month. And so it's really, for me, it's just about trying to improve month over month and not worrying about it. If you buy a fucking futon because futons are expensive and it's going to cause you to go over your budget. But like, as long as you reduce your costs in other areas then you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you are struggling with saving money or if you are struggling with budgeting, then break it down to just very, very simple. Are mm-hmm. you spending less money than you earn? And if you don't know the answer to that question, that's where we need to start. Yeah. True. Why do we make it like, I feel like that sounds so simple, but like it feels way more complicated whenever I've thought about money yeah. like, over the past little while. But I, yeah, why is it so feel so much more difficult than it needs to be? I think there's a lot of, uh, as with many things too, right? If you make it complicated and people don't understand it, then um, there's money to be made, right? You can mm-hmm. teach people, you can charge for financial advising, you can create debt in order to get make interest off of them because you're spending more than you earn. So there's a lot of like financial incentives for systems and institutions around to allow, you know, our generation to YOLO and go live our lives and <laughs> we'll worry about the finances later type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and by all means, like, I think a, a big thing that, that I hear about. And when I talk to people about some of like my financial goals and, and a common question I get is, is people are like, well, like if you want to be like richer, if you want to be a millionaire, then like, then like, what's the point of like, not, if you can't go to restaurants, like what's the point of being a millionaire? Like that's something that people have said to me, or it's like mm-hmm. when you're talking about something it's like, well, what's the point of like being rich? If like, you can't go out for a massage or you can't go to the, the spa or you can't do these things. That's not what it's about. It's about. 
It's about creating a lifestyle now in your day-to-day life that you enjoy and that you can enjoy in a financially responsible way Mm -hmm. because happiness does not come from money. And a big thing that I see with people as well is like, it's very similar to working out. If you see someone that's like fit and outside running, you can't just like sit back in your house, cross your arms and say, why is that person running? Like they're already fit. Mm -hmm. It, It doesn't work that way. Like the reason why they're fit is because running is a part of their their life. It's a part of their lifestyle. It's a part of um, how they identify and how they enjoy and just live everyday life. And the same thing comes into play when we're talking about wealth. Um, And by wealth, it can be just good money management and that can be to achieve whatever your goals are, whether it's paying off your student debt, whether it's saving up for your first house purchase, um, whether it's saving up for your your children's education, whether it's saving up to quit your job and retire, um, whatever your goals are, it has to be integrated with your life more. And when we talk about that, then it really comes down to, okay, we need to be living our lives in a day-to-day basis where we can be happy and also that we can be saving money and living financially responsible. Yeah. And the good thing about that is that we buy a lot of dumb shit like a fuck ton of dumb shit and so much stuff that we don't need. And I hear a lot of people will say, you know, when you're rich or when you're a millionaire, like you can just throw money at problems and like you can throw money at it and it'll go away. That's not how rich people actually act. Rich people don't throw money at problems to like make it go away. That's what everyone else does when you're too lazy. Cause there's no food in the fridge. Instead of making food, you're throwing money at your problem by going and ordering, skip the dishes. That's True. poor people throwing money at, the, at their problems, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so that's really like what kind of what it comes down to is like, what are you spending your money on? And like, is it really bringing you that much happiness? And mm-hmm. a lot of times it's not. But sometimes like, you know, we live in a very rich world. When we talk about living in Canada um, and just in North America in general, we live really, really good lives. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what your income level is. If you make... $40,000 a year in Canada, you are in the top 10% of income earners worldwide. That's crazy. It's insane. We're but yet you'll meet, we're so blessed, but yet we'll meet so many people that, you know, you, you're struggling on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it can be really tough. It can be really tough to, to hear, but it can really be, it can really be tough to change. Uh, yeah. And that's really where people will struggle with. So how do you balance between like what you were saying of like young people, like saying YOLO and like living their life with also like saving your money and managing it well? Like, how do you balance those two things? Yeah. So it really comes down to being conscious. Uh, this, is, this is what I believe, at least it comes down to being conscious and present. Um, kind of like if you ever been to yoga class, like yoga teachers and meditation and headspace, like they all teach you to just, okay, slow down, stop thinking about things like stop just going through the motions of life, whether it's scrolling through Instagram, like checking your phone, going and running around doing tasks, like slow down, be present, be where you are right now. What's happening? Do you need to be thinking about this thing in the future, right? This could be, it's kind of similar related to when people have anxiety, right? When you're thinking about potential outcomes in the future. It's like, well, we don't need to be thinking about that because 
we're here right now living today. Nothing bad is happening to us. It's a kind of the same thing when it comes to like spending money where it's like constantly trying to be thinking of, do I need to be giving this money up right now? And a big part of it is like, we need to have a little more passion for ourselves and respect for ourselves because everyone out there listening to this podcast, like you work hard for your money and you get paid, maybe not enough, but that's a different conversation. (laughs) But regardless, you are getting paid for doing good work and that is hard earned money and you deserve to have that money and you deserve to keep that money. So we really need to become conscious about our money and really reconnect back with um, our wealth and saying, you know what, this is me giving up wealth to someone, even if it's just buying a $5 bottle of kombucha from the grocery store. It's like, well, like that's a big ask. That is a big ask. And like, maybe you're a kombucha nerd and you're kombucha freak and (laughs) you know, you want to try every single kombucha in the world. If that's your thing, then that's fine. Right. And so it's really about like finding what your things are. And I actually even encourage people to turn up the money on things that you do enjoy doing. Um, Like Caitlin, you, you surf, you should absolutely be taking trips to Tofino and going surfing (laughs) and like getting yourself a board and getting yourself wetsuits. And like, this is something you do. And like with longboarding too, same thing, right? Mm -hmm. If this is something that you enjoy doing in your day-to-day life, you should absolutely be spending money on it. And sometimes even spending more money than you are right now on it, because it helps reinforce that fact that yes, this is my thing. This brings me happiness. I should absolutely be spending money on my happiness. And you know what, KJ, you go buy yourself a nice new wetsuit. Don't (laughs) sweat about it one bit because the next time you go to the grocery store, you say, that kombucha, not as important as uh, me going surfing. <laughs> wow. Okay. Interesting. Interesting way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Makes sense though. <laughs> so tell me about, about your problems then. You're, you're getting stressed about money. Yes, I am. Okay. Sorry. I just want to drill into yeah. my head what you have taught me so far. So it's not about stressing all the time, which is what I've been doing. It's about focusing on the things that actually bring you joy and be okay with spending money on those and then not okay with all the other extra crap. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So that, and then just focus on the two things. How much are you making and how much are you spending? Yeah. And that's it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Hmm. This sounds simple. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we can make it as complex as you want. We can get into some some really complex complex things, but yeah, it doesn't need to be, you know. You can get like 99% of the results by just spending less than you earn, putting it in investment accounts, buying low cost index funds, and just living your life. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but okay, I feel okay. Okay, but yeah, I'll tell you about my stresses. Um, So I've just been thinking a lot about how I want to move to Toronto. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like I love Toronto and I always have. Um, but it's so expensive. And I always Mm -hmm. look at like how much it costs to rent and like one, no, I don't even need a bedroom. Like even like studio apartments are so expensive. And I'm just like, how are people doing this? Yeah. So yeah, I just wanted to talk to you because I'm just like planning my next steps in life and Mm -hmm. it just stresses me out financially. So I don't know. 
what exactly is stressing you out about it though? So you want to move, but yeah. you can't afford the price. Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah, like I've been living at home for a while. So I feel like I have like a false sense of just everything. Yeah. Because I have like had the cushion of my family. But yeah, like just looking at like moving downtown and it's, it just costs so much money. Yeah. And I'm just like, is this a bad choice to do? Well, I mean, you can answer that question, right? If you have the rent and if you know how much money you make and currently spend per month, um, just having those, those two numbers is, is huge. Mm -hmm. uh, Cause if you know, you're only saving a thousand bucks per month right now and rent is 2,500, then probably not a good idea <laughs> unless you're going to be saving a lot of money in another place. Mm -hmm. But I, I will say this. So like if people are trying to save money, um, you know, I, I talk about like kombucha and uh, a lot of people talk about like lattes and going to Starbucks, but, and a lot of those things are great for social media clicks, but they're not very practical in real life. But when it comes to like saving money, if you can reduce your costs in three major categories, which is your housing, your food and your transportation, that is going to go a long, long way as opposed to whatever else you do, because those are our three biggest costs, um, mm -hmm. especially as Canadians, housing is continuing to creep up. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to lie. A lot of Canadians uh, are in a very bad situation when it comes to how much we spend on our house. Uh, mm -hmm. Traditional advice recommends like between like 30 to like 40% ish to be spent on your living. Um, and okay. Canadians are spending uh, way more than that, especially in some of the bigger cities. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not uncommon for 60%, 70% of someone's income to be going towards their house. Oh my um, God, chest pain. Which is crazy. <laughs> yes, yeah. it absolutely is crazy. And you should not be in that situation. Uh, mm -hmm. It's just, it's not sustainable at all. And if we think about, you know, going back to trying to enjoy our life, like every day to day, mm -hmm. um, you're going to be so financially strapped if you're spending 60 or 70% of your, your month of uh, your income on rent, you're not going to be able to do anything. Mm -hmm. um, so we really have to like, keep things into perspective. And you know what, it's okay if you're not earning that much money, because there's plenty of housing options. So anyways, getting back to like the big three, if you can keep those big three expenses as low as possible. It doesn't matter how many times you treat yourself to Starbucks or whatever you want to do. Um, if you have those three costs in check, uh, you're going to be doing well. Um, and it really comes down to the housing a lot. One of the best things that, that I did was what's called house hacking, which is uh, growing in popularity, especially with our generation, the millennial generation. It is insane how many people are doing these things, which is House hacking is when you either buy a place or you rent a place and then you either sub lease out or you rent out uh, rooms or an, another unit to other people that pays for your mortgage. Mm -hmm. So what I did here in Halifax is um, my partner and I, we, we bought a house and then we rent out two of the rooms and it pays for more than the mortgage and we're actually making money off of it. That's amazing. Yeah. And so we're living for free. Our housing costs are zero. Our utility costs. Oh my are zero. God. Um, and it has been insanely helpful for our money. Mm -hmm. uh, it's allowed us to save a ton of money. It's allowed me to actually start up this business that I started up in the last uh, two years. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if I didn't have this, I wouldn't have been able to afford rent. I would have been, I would have had to go get a, a new job as opposed to starting this business. And mm-hmm. things snowball when it comes to our finances. So things will start slow. And, you know, you make one step here, one step there. And eventually over time, they really compound and produce very, very big effects. Because now that I have, I've been running a successful company now, and I have the ability to like scale my income a lot more because I can get one new client. And that represents like almost a 20 K bonus for me every year. Right. So it's like, it's very powerful now, like that I can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, but obviously like it comes from like baby steps too. Right. And I'll tell you this too, like, like Hillary and I were like almost 30 and a lot of people are like, they, they trash us. I have like younger people who like trash us. I've had like 23 year olds and 24 year olds be like, Oh, you live with roommates. Like, Oh, I could never live with roommates again. Mm. And I'm like, okay, sure. <laughs> <But> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. True. So, um, house hacking is really big. It's really popular. You don't have to do what I did where like, you know, the four bedroom house, we rent out two of the rooms, but, um, there's plenty of ways to do it. If you maybe find a house where you can rent out the basement apartment, or there's an upstairs apartment that you can rent out, um, or potentially you go live in that, that, that apartment and you rent out the bigger space too. Right. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can find a house that's a three bedroom house with a one bedroom apartment in the basement and you live in the the basement apartment and you rent out the three bedroom and you could pay for at least your mortgage and maybe even more so, and uh, maybe earn a bit of money off of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So those sorts of things are like decisions that we can definitely be made. And even when it comes to renting, you might be able to find a three bedroom place that you can rent and then actually make an agreement with the landlord beforehand that you're going to find tenants and you want to sublease out your rooms and you can charge whatever you want for doing that. Um, so you can actually sublease out uh, a rental and even make a little bit of money that helps reduce your renting costs. So those are options too. Uh-huh. And to be honest, like, I'm not going to lie. It's hard because uh, you have to be humble and it's, there's so much pressure when it comes to social media of, and just like, you know, our friends and especially in uh, like, I feel like for our age, there's a lot of people that feel pressure to have a house with the backyard with a dog and with kids and, just like add up these costs really quickly and Mm -hmm. everyone's life is different, right? Like no one's life goes in that like mainstream track that for some reason we all think everyone is on. Yeah, for Um, sure. 90% of people just do not live their life that way. Mm -hmm. Um, It just doesn't play out. And so just be, be patient, be cautious and uh, just make small steps. Mm -hmm. So if like living in Toronto is really that important for you too, then like you should be okay living in a basement and renting out the the top floor, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Or maybe you can't. <laughs> I have to evaluate what do I, <laughs> what will truly bring me joy. Exactly. Yeah. And one of the the best things about managing our money as well that I like is it's better for your health, it's better for your wealth, and it's better for the environment. How so? elaborate (laughs) well we live in such a consumer consumeristic world there's a there's a a trinket for everything yeah like you can continue to buy stuff like the amount of stuff on amazon i i really want to do this with someone i don't actually buy much from amazon but like i want to uh film for one of youtube videos is find someone who's bought a lot of stuff from amazon go -hmm. through their order history and then just figure out what they still have or figure out what they've still or figure out what they've used in the mm-hmm. last year. 
Yeah. We have so much that. stuff that we don't use and then we just keep buying. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I bought a neck massager, this like cool neck <laughs> massager for, for, for Hillary, my, my partner. And then, uh, we, we thought it was great and we thought we we're going to use it a lot and we didn't really use it. Mm-hmm. And it only took us about maybe like, uh, 10 months. And I looked at it and I'm like, Hill, we don't use it. Let's sell it. Let's get rid of it. And so we, we got that money back. And so um, if you're not using things too, right? Like that's like, why do you have it? Yeah. And yeah. That's one thing so I've been often. doing. Like try to, trying to sell all the crap that I have that yeah. I don't use. Yeah. Yeah. And oh man. There's so many people that, you know, have a house with a bunch of rooms and the furnace room is shoved pack full of stuff. The empty rooms are like shoved pack full of stuff the garage is full. And so they have to go get a storage unit. Mm-hmm. That's a real common trait. Twice. And so you have to pay monthly rent at a storage unit just to store all your crap that you don't use. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of comes down to like, what are you buying and are you using it? Is it really bringing you much joy or value? Because mm-hmm. I mean, it's great if you have like a lemon zester and a lime zester <laughs> and a margarita machine, but like if you only use the margarita machine once a year, why can't you just rent it for the day? Yeah, true. Hmm. I never thought about it that way as in like an environmental, like being good with your money is good for the environment because you're buying less junk. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Hmm. Okay. More reason to, to focus on my money. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to know what your opinion is on renting versus buying because yeah. So as I was saying, like I've been looking to rent like a studio or something in Mm -hmm. Toronto. Um, but my dad has been saying like, so I live at home. My dad's been saying like, Caitlin, just live at home for a couple more years and then just buy a condo in Toronto instead of going to rent one. So I want to know what your opinion is on that whole renting versus buying world. So if we think about renting versus buying in the like traditional sense where you're a either a, a single person or you have a family or a partner and you want to go buy either a condo or a house and it's just you living in it, uh, if you compare that to renting, the renters usually end up on top uh, financially. Really? Oh, that's yeah. good to hear. Okay. Yeah. And I absolutely hate, actually, my dad used to drill this into me all the time. He said, he's like, rent is just throwing money away. Mm-hmm. And he used to drill that into me. It's not, you're not throwing money away at all. Like, okay. yay. you <laughs> are, fun. you are buying an amazing product and service without any liability, without, with any, without any risk. If the place burns down, if there's a leak and a flood, no big deal. No, no, like slack off you. Like if the balcony starts falling apart, if like the roof goes and you have to spend $13,000 to get new shingles on, then you don't need to worry about that as renter. Renting is one of the best things ever, especially for people who are looking to like save money in the short term as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can definitely find lots of options out there. Uh, so if we're looking at it in the traditional sense, then yeah, renters usually en- end up on top. And a big reason why rent is not throwing money away is because you're pretty much doing the same thing with a mortgage. Your mortgage with your monthly payments, and especially with some of the prices that are around Canada, mm-hmm. you're p- pretty much paying like almost the same prices that people are renting from. Um, plus, you have to pay for insurance, for utilities, for property taxes, for any repairs, and things do break down, or for condo fees. 
condo fees are just money blown in the air, right? It's just gone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so if we're looking at the traditional sense, um, it doesn't really matter because like, and some people will argue, oh, like you have equity in the house and like you're building up your net worth and like, yeah, mm-hmm. sure. But let's say you live in the house for your entire life and you end up, you know, you paid off your mortgage 30 years later, you own this house and you don't have anything else. It's like, well, now what are you going to do? Are you going to somehow live off the equity when you retire? How are you going to do that? So it, the whole sense of equity is like, yeah, you do. Can, it's a good way to force savings in a way, but um, it's not necessarily something that's like that valuable. So mm-hmm. um, it doesn't really matter. But that being said, if you have, you know, a kind of a bigger plan in mind with buying a place is that maybe you could potentially rent it out in the future when you like move to a different place, um, then that option could become a lot better. The thing is that most people don't do something like that. Um, so if you're, if you are thinking about finding a place in that's in closer in Toronto, what I personally would recommend is saving up enough to buy maybe a two unit place like or a townhouse, um, which might be more expensive. It might take you a little longer to get to, but if you move to Tofino five years later, <laughs> you could rent out both of those places and probably make 2000 bucks a month. That'll pay for your rent in Tofino. Hmm, true. So think about it long-term if you are thinking about buying a place is, okay, like I buy this condo now, like, am I going to be able to make money off it in the future? Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people, especially when it comes to finances, they like to focus on like the net worth game. The net Mm -hmm. worth game doesn't really matter that much. It matters with your cash flow right now, because like you can go buy an insanely beautiful four bedroom house in downtown Toronto but you're going to become house rich and cash poor because the mortgage is going to suck up 90% of your income. Yeah, true. I always hear people say like, it's better to buy though, because like when you're ready to move or whatever, like the money from the house that you own, like you can use to get your next place. Yeah, you absolutely can. Um, and there's lots of ways to do that. And you can take out a home equity line of credits and which is just debt, but it's uh, a way that you can, you know, fund the next purchase on a place. So there are like different strategies where you can do that. And that's completely fine. Uh, but know what that is going in beforehand that you buy and make sure you know what your strategy is it's going to buy a place. Mm-hmm. Because one of the biggest problems that I see with a lot of personal finance advice is that everyone loves to do the fucking mathematics. And they're like, well, no, I'm not going to buy this place here because like, I'm going to buy this place here because I'm going to get an extra, I'm going to save an extra hundred bucks a month. And if I take that and invest it, I'll make 7%. And like, I can even grab debt from a line of credit and I can go invest my line of credit and my line of credit interest rate is 5%, but I'll make 7% in the stock market. And so I'm going to make 2% on, on that. The problem with all this mathematics is that most people don't do that. Most people don't take those savings and go and do the investing with it afterwards. Mm -hmm. Most people don't do all this stuff. And so that's one of the biggest problems that I struggled with was that I came on a university, especially the university personal finance course I took, very theoretical, very in detailed. I know all the mathematics. The problem is it doesn't work that way in real life. Mm -hmm. You don't, when you don't, when you skip Starbucks for the day, you don't take eight bucks and go and put it in your TFSA and invest <laughs> it. You don't do it. Yeah. 
So it's like, so I get the argument, but in real life is different. So yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sorry. I know that you said this, but I want to make sure I understand. So why would renting be better than buying? So it, it depends. Um, First of all, wherever you go, make sure that you're going to be saving money still. Um, That's just step one. If you are going to be buying a place, um, make sure you have that strategy in place for it. Like make sure you know what you want to do with it to either uh, make you money in the future, or at least to be able to produce some cash flow or reduce your housing costs now. Uh, the reason why renting can be more beneficial is uh, sometimes you can rent and do house hacking with renting um, and rent out a couple of the rooms in a place. Uh, but renting can be beneficial because there's no time commitment. You're not on a 30-year mortgage for it. Um, you also can, don't you don't have to worry about any sort of repairs or costs. Uh, so that's a lot of savings and you don't have to put up any down payment either. So like, let's say right now you have 100 K and you're looking to buy a place. Um, and if you go and rent a place, you could take that $100,000 and invest it, or maybe it already is invested preferably. And, uh, and so you can actually be making money off that $100,000. And sometimes you can make more money than you would if it was in equity in an actual real estate place. Um, so that's a big opportunity, right? It's like, if you have that down payment, you can use that down payment to go and invest and you actually make good money doing that. Um, and then just renting on on top of it. Um, cause if we talk about like, you know, people I love to talk about real estate as like an amazing investment. It's like, that's fine. That's just one of many investments to make. You can go and invest in real estate investment trusts, which is, uh, funds that are all rental properties. And you can invest in that in the stock market Mm -hmm. Uh, and you can earn, uh, 7% dividends on some of those. Um, and so you can earn that on every year plus any growth. So you can make good money in any investments. And the argument is, is right, which is like invest your money, um, whether you're investing that money in like buying real estate and going to live in it. Um, or if you're going to buy the, put it in the stock market and go and rent, it doesn't really matter for the most part, but renting has a lot of flexibility, uh, which mm-hmm. is definitely valuable for uh, a lot of people. So you could own your own house and live in it and have that be like the home is your investment or just rent and the money that you could have put into a home if you invest it somewhere else like that's just as good. It depends. Okay. Um <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, like so like viewing your home as an investment is fine but it can't be your only investment because like if you wake up 30 years from now, you're 60 years old and you're like, great, here's my house as an investment. I'm going to retire now. Well, Mm -hmm. are you going to retire now? Because you just finished paying off your mortgage. Yeah, sure. It's worth 1.5 million, but how are you buying groceries this week? Oh man, money is a headache. <laughs> it is. It is a bit of a headache. Mm-hmm. I like how we talked at the beginning how how everything was simple. <laughs> like, now we <laughs> yeah. talk into it. I'm like, oh, I don't <laughs> like it. Yeah, it can get complex very quickly. It can. Okay, but I want to go back to the simple because okay, that is what I like. <laughs> yes. Okay, so I have some questions here and why don't you give me some nice simple answers if <laughs> okay. possible. Um, okay. So the first one, what advice do you have for people to help them get rid of their debt? What is like a quick, like, this is the, this is the key. 
kind of thing. Is to know how much debt you have, what their interest rates are, and when you will pay off that debt. So list out all of your debts and know when you're going to pay them all off. And then focus on one at a time. Typically, the one with the highest interest rate, which is like, you know, your credit card. Um, it's also like typically the lowest actual amount that you have. And just focus on paying off the one. Make the minimum payments on the other ones. Just focus on paying off the one. And just put more money down towards it. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay, I like that. A, a big thing with debt that people don't realize too, though, is that there's a return on your investment by paying off debt. And it's more than what the interest rate is. So if you make like an extra $1,000 a month payment today on your student debt, and your student debt is at 3%, you're actually making about 4-ish percent on your money. Okay, wait, I'm confused again. (laughs) (laughs) That's like getting into it a little bit too much. But the point is, is like paying off debt is a good thing. Paying off debt, you are saving future interest rates. Mm-hmm. you're saving future payments. Mm-hmm. Um, so paying off debt is absolutely a good thing. So pay off debt and focus first on the one with the highest interest. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And just knock it off one by one, but particularly like have something to celebrate when you do it. And it doesn't need to be, you know, probably not going out to the clubs and like blowing like a thousand dollars, but um, yeah, like find something to do. Maybe you enjoy surfing and you say, you say, yeah, you know what? Like we are going to do like a surf trip down to this river in Quebec where they do river surfing and you're going to go do that for a weekend. And oh, so like, like have, yeah, you need to have like these celebrations for these accomplishments because they are big accomplishments mm-hmm. and it is tough to pay off debt, um, but it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. And the biggest help you can pay off debt is after you're done paying off your debt and which is to then funnel all that money that you're using to pay off your debt into your savings. Keep your lifestyle the same. That's going to be the big change for people finishing paying off their debt. True. Which might seem like a long ways away, but can come sooner. Yeah. So once you pay it off, don't get excited and go fancy. Stay not fancy and save that money. Exactly. Okay. True. Fair. Um, What advice do you have for people to help them save? To help them save? Yeah. Yeah is to just know how much money you're spending and how much money you're earning. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like the theoretical figures, like not what your, your company says your salary is like the actual money that comes into your bank account Mm -hmm. and the actual money that leaves your bank account. Just know it. If you know that information, you're ahead of 90% of people. Mm -hmm. KJ, do you know how much money you saved last month? No, no, <laughs> no, I don't. And I don't know. Yeah. When you say that, like, it's like, oh, that's so simple. But like, oh, I don't know those numbers at yeah. all. I've never known those numbers. So I'm going to go find out what those. Yeah, numbers exactly. Are. Shoot. I, I saved only 800 bucks last month in December. It was a it was a rough month for me. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. That sounds saved. good. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. What is the biggest mistake that you think people make financially? Um, uh, I think it's better said as a statement, which is that no one will care about your money more than you will. Does that answer your your question? Uh, can you elaborate on that? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. Um, like I, I know like some people like want to get fit or, you know, you, you want to start your own business or you want to start a podcast or you have these goals. Um, but money and your money management and the amount of debt or wealth you accumulate, it's happening to you every day, whether you like it or not. And no one is going to help you out with it. Um, actually, I'm here to help you out with it. <laughs> I'm here to help everyone out with it. That's why I started my YouTube channel. Um, uh, yeah, like ultimately, though, like it comes down to you. Um, and even as much as like I'm helping you or a financial advisor might help you or an investment advisor might help you or your parents might help you they're not with you at Canadian Tire when you walk through the the uh, the store. They're not going to tell you, mm-hmm. no, don't buy that futon, Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> True. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and I think another thing too is like uh, reduce, reuse, and recycle. Why did everyone stop? Why did everyone all of a sudden <laughs> forget about that? I feel like it was drilled into us as like kids and all of a sudden like, we become adults and no one's fucking talking about reducing, reusing or recycling. Now mm-hmm. I get like hated on when I tell people how I furnished or well, like Hillary and I together, I shouldn't take all the credit for furnishing this place. I did not. Um, but we <laughs> furnished the entire place from all used stuff, mm-hmm. all used from Kijiji from Facebook marketplace. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's absolutely yeah. great. Very, very true. Yeah. The environmental impacts coming back in here. I like exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That is so key. And yeah, I've been thinking too, just a lot about like clothes as well. And just like how much money I've spent on clothes over like the course of my life. And it's like, it's, it's so silly. I'm trying to just, Mm -hmm. yeah, reduce, reuse, recycle in that respect as well. Yeah. Clothes is a big one for for women as well. There's a movement Mm -hmm. going on in the the female community. I think it's called like 30 something. Are you familiar with that? Oh no, I don't, I don't know this. It's called like, I forget exactly what it's called. It's called 30. I don't know what it is, but the, I think the idea is, is that like, as a woman, like you can get away with like having 30 pieces of like good, but like diverse clothing, you can get away with that. And that's it. Mm-hmm. It's like only having 30 choices to wear. And sure. so if you're interested in it, like do a search for something like that, maybe yeah. like minimalist female clothing line or something. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'll look that up. But yeah, that's I've been trying to like pick out more like basic clothes if I do buy yeah. that can go with like a lot of things. So that it's like cutting out the whole fast fashion world. Oh yeah, getting that shit out of my life. Exactly. Money wise like, and environmentally wise. Yeah, and like fast fashion. If you think about it, like if you go and buy a shirt from Banana Republic that costs you one hundred and fifty bucks that you could have probably got for like nine bucks used from value village. And that also that shirt from banana Republic was made by like children in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And that is like horrible for the environment using like all these plastics and like their clothing. And like the entire process is just like so poor for the entire environment and for like human rights issues. Like mm-hmm. it's insane. Right. And we just like turn a blind eye to it, like chuck all our money away at it and then like donate it five months later yeah yeah it's so true yeah I actually um did a podcast episode with a a girl who talked quite a bit about that she went to Mac too actually yeah um okay what else have I got here um what is the biggest lesson surrounding money that you wish everyone knew that it's simple 
it, it doesn't need to be complex. Mm-hmm. Are you uh, are you spending less than you earn? Mm-hmm. Are you putting it into tax retirement accounts like a TFSA and RSP? And then are you investing that money into it that's inside those accounts? It it's your finances are, are simple. It doesn't need to be complicated. Um, the more complicated it gets, be skeptical about it. Okay. Cool. I like that. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I just have two more questions that I ask everybody, yeah. but before I get to those, is there anything that you wanted to add or talk about? Um, yeah, I wanted to to bring up your your podcast that you did with your mom. And oh. I like love the podcast that you did with your mom because I forget exactly what the line was that, that she said, but it was something like she was like uh, saying how she was like, you know, I don't need like a, a better car or like a bigger house. Like, like mm-hmm. what is like bringing me joy is like the family time that I'm spending and like the events that I'm doing like with my family. And like, she's like, that's like what I'm love to do. And she's like, I just want to do more of that. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what it comes to when it comes to like how we are managing our money is like, it's not about what car you're driving or anything. Like, you know, firsthand experience, like you don't need to have a big car to have, have a, a long board. <laughs> yeah. You can work with it. It's true. My tiny pink car. Yeah. yeah she was a, a good cheap buy and don't need a fancy one. But yeah, mm-hmm. I'll tell my mom that you said that. She'll be happy to hear that. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I, yeah, no problem. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I, I also, I, I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast with mm-hmm. Dan Blazarian. Do you know who Dan Blazarian is? No. He's, a, he's really popular in like the male world and he has like a bunch of millions of Instagram followers and he posts a lot of like pictures with like girls in bikinis and he's like supposedly really rich. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've Joe Rogan. Yeah. And he was on this Joe Rogan podcast and he was talking about it. He's like, he's like, you know, he's like, he was kind of like feeling it kind of sounded a little depressing in my opinion. And he was like, kind of saying, he's like, you know, I've done everything that I could have ever possibly wanted to do. And he's like, so I'm actually envious of everyone else who like still has the ability to like make more money to go blow up a yacht out in the Pacific ocean or whatever the hell he spends money on. He spends money on like, like any sort of like dude thing, like big trucks, toys, et cetera. Like he does that. Mm -hmm. And so he was saying that he's like bored and like kind of like not really feeling fulfilled in life because he's done all this stuff. And he was like, Oh, I'm envious of, of everyone else who hasn't done everything that I've done. And I was like, I thought he was going to come to the really great realization, which is like, Oh yeah, it's actually not about what you're <laughs> yeah. on. Like it's about like your experiences. And like, if you're just enjoying the people and the things that you do on a day-to-day basis. And I thought he was going to get there. He didn't get there. So maybe he's still like learning <laughs> on his, on his path of life. But yeah, it's, it's about enjoying our lives now and like finding happiness and enjoy with the people that we surround ourselves with and the things that we do. It doesn't come from clothes that you wear or from cars that you drive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. My last two questions. Um, so yeah, as you know, this podcast is called learn with Lels, and I like to, Try to always be learning in life, which is what you were talking about earlier, which I definitely appreciated. Um, but yeah, so the first question is, what is something you've been learning lately? Yeah, I, I know you always ask this question. And um, I guess like I've always, I'm always learning things. 
And I've always had like the mindset, and this is like actually one of the reasons why I like your podcast is, and I just like your mentality, to be honest. Um, Thank you. Which is like always learning. And I've always came into like any position that I've been in, like whether it's like work or anything, like I always pretend that I'm like the dumbest person in the room. And so I'm always asking questions. I'm, I'm typically not the person... I say a lot of stuff when it comes to personal finances. I'm not, don't ask many questions, but uh, <laughs> um, I, I try to like ask as many questions as I can and like learn things. I've been learning a lot recently about, I guess, search engine optimization. And that's like kind of what my business does, but um, that's something that I'm like continually learning and uh, something that I've found a lot of passion in um, because it is constantly changing and it's always like a secret. Like the Google's algorithm is like, hidden and secret. And so I've, I've been finding a lot of joy in the um, complexity of, of learning and trying to understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think just like the overall general mindset of like always learning is like what I really enjoy. I don't necessarily care about like learning specific things necessarily. Yeah, true. I think it keeps things fun if you're always learning more. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Once you know everything and once you've experienced everything, like that guy on the Joe Rogan podcast, it's like, now what? Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then the last question is, what's the biggest lesson you've learned in life so far? Yeah. um, The biggest lesson that I've learned, I've learned a lot of lessons. I think probably some of the biggest lessons I've learned is um, just like coming into more of like an emotional connection with myself and like the people around me. And I think I've, I've really kind of struggled with that. And I think a lot of men do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like most guys, like, <laughs> like people think we look older, but like, we're really just like a fucking 14 year old boy stuck in like a 30 <laughs> year old's body. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I've like definitely learned a lot about like myself emotionally. And I think that's been very, uh, very important to, uh, to, to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and to really just get connected with and, you know, trying to open up with other people more and like include just everyone from like your partner to your friend and to just have that emotional connection on with them. Um, that's been, I think, probably the the best thing that I've learned. And um, mm-hmm. I definitely used to like throw like comedy and like at a lot of things and to like kind mm-hmm. of avoid, you know, talking about real issues. And but I, yeah, it's definitely something I've learned and continue to learn. But um, it's been really, really nice to uh, have that emotional connection. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's important. Yeah, mm. it's true. I feel like guys, it's, um, not a stigma, but like, it's, it's tougher for guys. Cause there's more of an expect expectation to be like tough. Yeah. We got to throw that out the window. It's not helpful. I know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Okay. Thanks, honey. Thanks for being on my podcast. No problem. I'm going to go and learn how much am I bringing in and how much is going out? Yes. Real Glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you, dear. No so problem. Good to see you. You too, KJ. Miss you. Bye. Miss you too, honey.